Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is ordinary time. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, we are right now in the church cycle in ordinary time, correct? Correct. And we've talked about the church calendar in the past, and I will link to that on the podcast page for this one. But today we're going to take a closer look, and let's start with a very quick definition of what ordinary time is for those who've forgotten. So ordinary time is the time, it can also be referred to as the season after Pentecost. That's a much longer wordier name. Exactly. So this is the time that happens after the day of Pentecost and before Christ the King or the Reign of Christ Sunday. Which is typically when to when? Somewhere in May to somewhere in what? The end of November. End of November. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's the longest time. So long. It's many, many months. And some of them are very, very short times, correct? Yeah, like, I mean, Advent is four weeks, so, you know, you sneeze, you miss it. It's like driving through East Coast states. Mm-hmm. You know, you sneeze, you miss Delaware. It's not hard to do. It's not a big place. <laughs> nope. So with it being super long, what kind of stories do we typically hear during this season? Well, what happens during ordinary time, this kind of time after Pentecost, is we focus in and we get the stories of the time of Jesus's ministry. Mm-hmm. So whereas the other seasons are kind of about getting ready for Jesus to show up in Advent or talking about, oh, let's see, if we look at the season of Epiphany, we're kind of getting the stories of the beginning of Jesus's ministry and the kind of sparkly bits of Jesus's baptism and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. The season after Pentecost, ordinary time, is really when we get things like the parables of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the travelings of Jesus, those kinds of things. It's a little more mundane. It's a little more everydayness of the story. It's not big highlight moments. It's not his baptism or heading into Jerusalem or the beheading of John the Baptist or heading into the desert. It's not those big crisis moments. It's telling the story of the parable of the seeds and telling the story of the lost coin and all of those different kind of teachings and pieces of the everydayness of ministry. So because the readings are all on a three-year cycle, is there one of those years that's either, I'm going to use the term better or worse, but I think you know what I mean in terms of stories that come up that are more fun or more interesting to preach on than others? Or is it you get the same thing every time? No, there's one year that is horribly difficult to preach. Yeah. And I almost just said that is horrible, which isn't (laughs) fair. Like, I shouldn't say it's horrible, but like is really, really challenging. Uh Uh-huh. And it's the Bread of Life series. Mm. And it's like seven weeks of bread. And it's just so much bread. There's just so much bread. And you can only preach about bread so many times before you feel like it's kind of like when you eat too much bread Mm -hmm. and your stomach's just kind of overfull and you're just kind of uncomfortable. 
And by like the fourth week of bread sermons, you're just kind of sitting there bloated and uncomfortable. It's just <laughs> too much. It's just too much. And so there are pastors who know where it is in the three-year cycle, and they specifically take vacation and get substitutes in and avoid the bread cycle. Oh, that's fascinating. Just completely avoid the bread cycle. Do you trade sermons with other other pastors? I finally found a good way in on the fourth week of bread, and here I'm going to share it with the world. I mean, we do trade sermons, and we do, like, text studies and things like that, so that we do those kinds of things just in general. But I think a lot of the time it's just lamenting, like, we're still, it's it's the bread cycle again. Like, what do you do with this? Time for the bread again. Woohoo! Wow. There is one year that has, it's the year that I did the cross-stitch sermons, mm -hmm. but there's one year that really goes into a whole series of particularly key figures. And once I caught that thread, that has become one of my favorite cycles because to really dig in and look at those particular figures, that's when I got to know St. Fatini, who is the woman at the well a little better, mm -hmm. and kind of digging into these key figures. It, it's got to be a year where we dig a little bit more into the Gospel of John and we get Nick at night, we get Nicodemus, we get the woman at the well, we get some really great key individuals. And I think I tend to like character studies, gee, shocking, mm -hmm. more than I particularly like theological concepts or parables to teach on. I really like to do character studies. What are their motivations? What were they thinking? How would they have encountered the story? What would have driven them to find Jesus? What would have driven them to move forward in the story? Why would they have shown up? Where might they have gone after? Those kinds of things really compel me as a preacher, as a teacher, as a person of faith. That stuff is really compelling to me. Which makes perfect sense, having begun my life in theater, and therefore my base training is in character study, empathy studies, learning how to ponder what it is like to live and be motivated as another person, as another human being. So those lessons particularly I find fascinating. As somebody who has been on record as not really caring for the parables, I agree. I concur. <laughs> so with most of this ordinary time taking place over the summer and people are out on vacations, school is out, attendance is all over the map, and you got people coming in from vacations, how do you stay motivated with all of that going on? Does that make it harder or easier to write a sermon during ordinary time? I think because attendance is such a, it's such a finicky thing anyway. I think that for attenders, for people who come to church, there is this mythological idea that everybody else shows up all the time and I'm the one who only shows up every once in a while. Yeah. But the reality is that there's only like three or four people who show up on a weekly basis. Yeah. That aren't paid to do so. <laughs> sure. And the rest of everyone else shows up like once or twice a month or the average person shows up like once a month. That's the average person. Mm -hmm. 
shows up like once a month. And so it's not really that different in the summer. Okay. And and maybe that's a secret to tell, to be like, yeah, really, attendance ain't that different any time of year. We just get different people coming in from vacations. Like it's just a different crew coming in. And sometimes we get different visitors over the summer because grandparents are in visiting grandchildren over the summer. Mm -hmm. And so we get like our friends from the East Coast who come and see us every time they come visit their grandkids and those kinds of things. So we can check on them and see how they're doing. So it just shifts and changes, but it's not, at least in this congregation, it's the same as it usually is. Okay. It's just who is doing the shifting. So are there any particularly wacky stories that come through in ordinary time that you can think of, or is it really just the same old, it's the prodigal son, it's the good Samaritan, it's the mustard seed, it's the sheep, it's bread. How do you really feel about the parables? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got feelings. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I adore it. Um, It's really just kind of that stuff. And then there are seasons or times where we could like bounce to the to the Hebrew lessons or go to the epistles, go to the letters and maybe spend some time in them if we wanted to. But sometimes sometimes the stuff that comes out of the gospel is just so problematic or challenging that you can't speak it aloud and not address it. Mm-hmm. So it really is it's a lot of bread. <laughs> <laughs> Especially a certain year. Especially in a particular year. Are there some stories that come up that you wish you had a wider audience for, that you wish you had like your, I don't know, big Easter audience for, because this one particular story has really got some power and meaning to it. I think I always feel like that whenever there are particular characters. Yeah. That are really awesome. Like I, again, maybe because I am inspired by them. I wish that there was an opportunity to spend more time knowing who the people are and learning their story and imagining who they are and imagining their interaction with their faith and just spending time imagining their shoes or the dirt on their feet and what it would be like to journey alongside of them as best we're able knowing that we don't truly understand their culture and their time. But I am maybe longing to have connections to those who have been challenged by significant things within historical times because we live in particularly challenging times ourselves. And so to connect with someone like St. Fatini, who was this Samaritan woman at a well speaking to this rabbi in the middle of the day and had the courage to speak her peace and know her worth and her value. I want to spend more time knowing her and I want more people to know her and know of her. But, you know, we can't know everything. (laughs) Okay. So the other thing that comes with church seasons are certain colors and decorations and ordinary time, which can we just be honest? That's not a great name. It's not. It does not inspire (laughs) any sort of creativity. Its color is green. Mm -hmm. So do you have like a whole wardrobe full of green stoles to try to change it up week to week 
or do you try to do something special at the front of the church because otherwise ordinary time she gets long? Yeah. You know, I am spoiled and my sister is phenomenally gifted and talented. And so I do have multiple green stoles that I can wear. And I have three in particular that my sister has made that are gorgeous. I have one that I made that's, you know, passable, but I have three that Lara has made that are just stunning and I love them. So I can switch it up, but you don't have to. It's okay to wear the same green stole. And we get green not only through the entire summer and fall, but we also get like a spattering of green in the winter. And so you cannot go wrong by gifting a green stole to a pastor or a deacon. And you can go with winter greens. You can go with summer greens. You can go with spring greens. You can go with fall greens. Mm -hmm. We will use them all. What about the church itself? Because it's the longest time you would think you could put the most into it. And yet I've never seen anything like getting to decorate for Christmas time that goes on for ordinary time. Is that an opportunity lost or just... Nobody's got the time for ordinary time. You know, it's an opportunity, but we haven't done a ton with it. Now, our congregation in the past has had creation tide Mm -hmm. here at the beginning, like in this kind of September time. And you asking me this question makes me recognize we could swap out the green banners because we have creation tide banners. Mm -hmm. And so we could absolutely swap out the green banners this week so that we would have a different green set of banners for rally day and going into this new bright season. So there there are some congregations that are lucky enough to have multiple shades of green pyramids. But if a stole is expensive, Mm. like averaging between $150 at the low end up to $1,000 for one stole, you can imagine how much pyramids for the church can cost. Sure. If you don't have an altar guild or sewers who make them for your congregation, pyramids are very, very spendy investments. You don't want to lean into like a wall of LED fairy lights kind of thing, flashing on Sunday morning to wake people up. Oh, you totally could. (laughs) Now you're giving us ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Is there a story in Ordinary Time that you actually do look forward to telling every year or every three years when it comes up? Well, I can tell you what it's not. Okay. It is not the Bread of Life series. Well, that makes perfect (laughs) sense. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Ordinary Time. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining along. It is wonderful to have you with us. If you have a question for us or have an idea for a podcast topic, you can certainly reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Our email is podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.